How are you? And welcome to Dopey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Welcome to Dopey. Welcome to Dopey. I'm tired. The podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Chris. Hi, Chris. And your name is Dave. Yes. I have questions for you. When you think something is good or cool, do you say, that shit is lit? No, but I do listen to the It's Lit playlist on Apple Music. Um, it's what? lit, exclamation point, exclamation point. What are some of the songs on there? Some Lil Yachty and stuff I think like it's that. pronounced Lil Yachty. Lil Yachty. What about that? Um, a future. Yeah. Can you sing me a future song? Um, oh, you know, I heard something good that made me think of Dopey the other day. What's that? It was, it was getting me excited, and I was like, this is how we need to treat Dopey. Um. The dream of Dopey, if you will. This is uh, Meek Mills. You know who Meek Mills is? Sure. Or Meek, Meek, Meek Mill. It's this, Meek Mills. This is how we have to picture Dopey, right? Whenever we, like, focus on doing a new show, work for the podcast. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, this is me. There you go. What do you think? I think that should be the theme song. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. It doesn't get you fired up. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling <laughs> it. Fucking ready to go. Dude, that's <laughs> the way I am. Tell me I'm not like that morning. Dave's like late. that, dude. It's like, I'll talk to Dave at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, 1030. He goes to bed pretty early. But then 8 o'clock in the morning, 730 in the morning, it's, what's going on with download, man? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like me and Meek Mills are fucking right here. Yeah. I'm serious. It is good. It did it really fire up a little bit? Look at me. Yeah. I'm fucking Eye of the Tiger. I was tired before and then I feel good. Uh, I so feel what good. were you going to say? It's lit. What was that about? Well, our guest today is a friend of mine. One of our guests today. I think we're going to have multiple is platforms of guests. Yes. When are we going? I said 20 minutes. How long ago? A minute ago. Oh, okay. Right. Um, he's a guy that I went to treatment with... Uh, 20 years ago or something mm-hmm. and he's somehow still young and he uses words like it's lit and tight oh he does yeah i think that actually makes him out of touch more than young well he's not young anymore that's the interesting that's, thing but that makes him out of touch because it's like i feel like when you're old throwing those words around people might say you're in touch and it's no like you're out of touch with the reality of your situation old man i think he's older than you but i know he's younger than me Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say it's lit. I know you don't say anything like that. What I do you say, say? I say bro sarcastically. Sometimes. You say word is bond. Yeah, I say my word is my bond, but I don't mean it. I'm trying to think of what. <laughs> you, to, so what you're basically <laughs> saying is that there's nothing that you say that you mean. No, I'm trying to say. I'm trying to think of what sort of like jive cool speak I use. Yeah, that's like not me saying it in a facetious way. There's, everything, everything yeah. I say, whenever I say anything that's like remotely. In touch or cool, it's saying it from like a because you're an fantastic perspective. Because you're uncomfortable with yourself. Because I'm because a loser. The, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a total loser. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I I try to often I I try to incorporate what you know what I say. What I say, no worries a lot, and I mean it. 
like, no worries. You don't say it, man. <laughs> I do. I say it a lot. You I say think. it. You know what? You, you, I, I, I Is do that notice. cool in that jive? Kind of no worries. Yeah. It's kind of it, old school. It's but. bullshit, though, when you say it. It's, it's a piece of the, the, the tapestry of untruths. Are you going right me. into smashing me? No, I just think I, I just find it. I just find it interesting. The no worries thing. When I would never say no worries because it's so obvious. I I just worry about everything. Do you know what I mean? And the thing about you is you say no worries, and and I know you. There's like three people inside you, and one of them's going. No worries, bro. The other one's like, I'm very worried a lot, actually. And the other one's like, shut up, man. Say no worries. And that's the three faces of you. Uh, that's the problem. That's the problem in this relationship I'm in is that that's like the shut up guy. Like, he doesn't work as well. What do you mean? <laughs> I, just, I try to be all no worries or whatever. But when you care about something a lot, it's hard to just, like, stifle it. The best It's hard part, to be cool. The best part about you is that little fucking little voice in between the two voices. The really neurotic voice. What is it? Man, I'm very actually scared and worried. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best version of you. The other two voices I can do without. <laughs> the total... one scared, worried one? Because I can relate to that one. I can relate to that one, and that one's, like, very honest, I think. Wait, we have a guest coming on in um, an episode or two. Um, I just want you to read what she said. So she said when she can do it, read starting here. What, this is text messages from ten minutes ago. Ugh. Just read it all that. Well, just what she wrote, I, I have to... This legit just took so long to figure out who the fuck... This was, I was about to snap because I thought it was my job asking me to work, LOL. She's I, pretty in. No, yeah, she's are you touch. kidding me? Yeah. Legit. She'll be, this woman will be on uh, next episode, Dopey Nation. LOL. I can call in if you want to. Could do it at 9.15. And then what did I write? Well, I wrote this. I wrote, we're not ready for a bit. Can you do later? Because I was driving, so yeah. Dave is texting for me. And then, and then I think I wrote... Did you write this or did yeah, I? Write I wrote. This? No, I wrote the next ones. It's in the same minute. How is that possible? Because I took wrote the phone it? from you. I think. No worries if not. No we worries. Do, there you go. We could do. Why am I reading no. this? <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted boring. you to read the no worries. And then she writes, "Yeah, I'll be up." Have, you know, my my new least favorite text is "yas." Y a s s s. Yes. It's like a gay oh, man yeah. saying yes enthusiastically. That. I've actually, I actually, yes, I have seen that. Who's like? Can you find some sort of video of somebody saying yes? No. Where were we though? Let's get back on track here. It's it's over. Yeah. Dopey over. Nation. You know what we're gonna do? We've been kicking the can around a little bit, and we've decided that we are gonna switch the dopey podcast from the comedy category to the self-help category because well, we might rank higher i said that's why i tell dave somebody suggested no tell them the, the bigger picture you can promote the guy's podcast too oh yeah 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 so i was on this guy's podcast well i mean it's going to be called scratch your own itch it's not out yet i thought it's called scratch that itch no scratch your own itch scratch that itch no, scratch your own itch scratch your own so itch i was on this dude's podcast and he's it's coming out soon dopey nation but he seems pretty smart like he knows what he's doing and stuff and he's a master at self promotion yeah and so he said 
to me that we should switch it to the self his help name? category. His name's Logan. Logan Nelson. Of, Logan of Scratch That Itch. Yeah, there you go. There's your plug. I might come on your show if you want me to, but I'm nervous to talk about body image. Yeah, it's not out yet though. It's coming soon. Look for Logan to Scratch That Itch. Yeah, yeah. Check it out, man. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, he's like. I was on his show, dude, and so he's like, yeah, you should go um, afterwards if we do the show. He talked for a bit, and he's like, you should go um, switch Dopey from the comedy category to the self-help category because he's like, you might actually rank in the self-help category. In the comedy category, it's impossible. You're competing with Joe Rogan. There's huge names that have tens of thousands of reviews, and I looked at it, and the self-help one is a little less competitive. So in the car tonight, I say to Dave, I told, just shared what I just told you, I was like, Dave, this guy thinks we should switch to the self-help category. I was like, but I kind of like it, keeping it in the comedy category. And Dave's response was, yes, but that's extremely comedic. No, no. I said it would be total comedy if we put ours in self-help. Yeah, so good. Us as self-help like is that. comedy. I, I, I like the idea of somebody scrolling through the self-help category and, and Dopey popping up. Listen. You might get some negative reviews from that, though. The question... That's that's always good comedy too. Yeah. The question is, what is the question? The question is, I don't know what the question is. <laughs> you lost it. Yeah. You know, it's something I remembered the other day that I what? used to do when I was drunk. What? Um, I don't know why this just popped into my head. Do you remember four one one? Information. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's not a thing anymore. Or maybe it still is. I, I don't think know. it is. Yeah, but like, you know, like younger people don't even know what 411 is anymore. It costs money. Well, yeah, it costs you have money. to pay 50 cents. It's also like nobody has smartphones. Like, do you know what I mean? Like back then, it's like there's no reason you would ever dial 411. Like maybe like my dad still would or something. But even would he? He would use like his iPad. Like, you know what I mean? He wouldn't use it anymore. Well, I'll tell you an interesting story. Last night, we were supposed to have... The tour manager from the Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead, Sam Cutler, on the show. I was going to interview him without you, as you know. Yeah. And uh, he, he said to call him at, you know, 12 o'clock. He lives in Australia. To call him at 12 o'clock Australian time. And I did so much preparation for this. You know, I read books and books and books. And I, dude, you should see how many. You want to see the notes? I believe you. I, I have 20 no, pages of notes. I believe you. Show me later. Um. And then, I don't know, a half an hour ahead of time, I texted him. I was like, hey, Sam, blah, blah, blah. It's Dave, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, we need to be friends on Facebook in order to have a video chat. He doesn't write back. Then fucking the time rolls on, and I'm like, holy shit, he's not going to write back. My dad, my dad's hovering, because I'm, I'm at my dad's house. My dad's yeah. hovering over me in my, kid, my bedroom as a child. Yeah. I'm like, Dad, get the fuck out of here. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure this thing out. He goes, what? And I go, he's not, he's not responding to me. And he's like, he's like, he's like, well, maybe you should try calling him. I was like, I was like, okay. And he goes, but you're not going to use the telephone to back up the recording. I said, what do you mean? He goes, that's going to cost me $100. And I said, I said, do you want $100? I have $100. Do you want $100? And he goes, because I really don't like it when you raise your voice to me. And I was like, well, what? I can't make, use the phone, Dad? I can't use your phone, Dad? And he's like, he's like I, was, I was like, 
Oh my god! And I was screaming at him. It was crazy. It was really it was crazy. It was totally crazy. I was like, "Oh god, I'm so sorry." Well, is this already when he's not responding and stuff? Yeah, so you're already worked up. I'm scared and yeah. worried and yeah. anxious. I'm screaming because he said, "I can't, I can't." He's call. screaming at for people just tuning in at Dave's sweet, sweet older father. He's in his mid seventies, and this is just horrible. He says, "He says, I really don't like it when you raise your voice at me, Dave." Yeah, I said, "Dad, I'm so sorry." I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what came Did over. Did you really me. say that? Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, I have an anger problem. I lose it. But that's not the point of the story. Yeah. The point of the story is that well, you know what's funny? Well, I've yelled at you maybe two or three times on the phone. Like I've raised my voice to you. And you know what you do? What? You just start laughing at me. You literally laugh at me when I when I raise my voice. What do you mean? You laugh at me. Well, how, do you, how does that go? I raise my voice, and then you start laughing. And then what happens? I usually start trying to accuse you of things. You get you get mean. You get down and dirty for no, <laughs> out of no place. I hurl mud. Yeah, it's crazy. I continue with you. And dad. that's the other thing. If I ever have a problem with my relationship, Chris is like, don't you have any mud you can hurl at her? <laughs> Chris is like this natural mud hurler. That's his go-to. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so I try to call Australia, and the, it's like, Ding, ding, ding. You're sorry. This, nobody lives at this number. <laughs> yeah. And my dad's like, um, why don't you call Australian information? I'm like, there's no information in Australia. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and, um, and then um, he's like, David, he's like, in order to call Australia, you need to dial this exit code yeah. to, to get to the entry code. And yeah. I, was like, oh. yeah. I was like, oh, dad. You're the best. Yeah. I can't believe I'm so stupid. Yeah. And then I call that, and it goes, he goes, Good day. If you like to send a text to your party, give the message, and we will transcribe it to text. <laughs> so it still didn't work. No, it didn't work. It turned out, Sam Cutler, this is such a dubious story, by the way. My dad was like, is he a drug addict? I was like, I don't know. He says, um, he says... He broke his phone, okay, and he lives in the rainforest, so he can't get it mended. So now mended he... Mended is the word he used. Yeah. And so now he was in a internet cafe someplace in Australia to tell me this story. Sam Cutler was the tour manager from the Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead. He was hang- he, he was living on the road with Jerry Garcia, Keith Richards, and Mick Jagger. Yeah. And he's sitting in an internet cafe. Trying to talk to you? Trying to talk to me, telling me that he can't get his cell phone mended. It's, where does his bond? He cares. I thought you said he said something like he lived in the rainforest. Yeah, he said you... They don't have rainforest in Australia. Isn't it like tumbleweeds and desert? I don't and know. Crocodiles? Ask uh, Demeter. Or, or uh, oh yeah, or the uh, the, the uh, Australian, Australian branch, yeah. Gabriella or her boyfriend Gucci, who main Gucci who, main. Who is the guy who pooped in the airport? Sam or gonna poop? Samuel. Sam Cutler. No, Samuel Dixon. But maybe we're not supposed Dixon. to use his last name. Dixon. All right, Dixon. All right, no, I know what it was. I just threw out a bunch of other ones. It was um, Dixon. So I used to call. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, I used to remember I used to call four one one. I'm sorry was, about that. Yeah, four one one. No, it's great. Are do you, you think we can call? Information? Do you think we can call four one one now? Try it. All right, let's see. Here, let me do it. Just, my dad pays for this bill. 
How much does four on one cost? I think it's thirty five cents. It used to be. Which was a what lot are you gonna 15 ask? years ago. Ask for Artie Lang's number in Jersey City. I used to try to just talk. My whole thing is I used to try to just talk to them. Let's see if we can do it. No, do Artie Lang. I need to keep him on the phone. No, it's just on the phone. What do you mean? I want to ask for Artie Lang. Artie Lang in Jersey City. Okay. Maybe we can get the number. All right. Here. Hello? Try to keep her on the phone first. Sure. Please hold for an operator. I hate your stupid prank calls. I, I don't do prank calls. She's like, Mark. hello, Kentucky Fried Chicken, I'll be going to rest. <laughs> That's not funny. Thank you for waiting. All of our representatives are currently assisting other customers. Please stay on the line. Anyway, my own point. Maybe we can get Artie's number really good. I used to get shit-faced when I was like... 15, 16, and I would call 411. Shush. City and state, please. Hoboken, New Jersey. Say the name of the business you want, or say residence. Residence. The laying residence. <laughs> Lang, L A N G E. Okay, long up, right? Correct. Now say the person's first name, or say, I don't know. Artie. Now say the person's first name, or say, I don't know. Artie. Now say the person's (laughs) first name, or say, I don't know. Artie. Fuck this shit, dude. I don't know. Dude, let's give up on this. Operator, please. Maybe it's Artemis? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Artemis Lang. Well, like, it's not Artie. Is this a birth certificate? Is Artie? Arthur. Oh, yeah, but I, there's Arthur. no way you would you would put it under Arthur Lang. <clears throat> All right. I can't believe they had that recording. That was like a song. Yeah. Knock them out the box, Chris. Thank you for waiting. Information is the worst. Um, anyway, you you used to call information when you were lonely as a kid. Yeah, and, and I talk just, to them. And I I'd try to talk to them, and most of the time they 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 didn't oblige. Here, I have a story to play. You ready? Hey, what's going on, Dopey Nation? I got a very interesting story. Also, a Dopey fan. Um, so one time I had to go uptown because uh, I wanted to go get some weed. So I didn't have a ride to go uptown. But there was a local in my neighborhood who smoked crack. So I figured, you know, I offer this guy a few jacks or something, and I'll get a free ride uptown and back home. So I give him a call, comes pick me up, me and a friend of mine. So it's me, my friend, and this crackhead who's driving the car. Safest thing we could do, I know. And, um... As we start driving, I'm talking with my friend and I I smell a strange aroma. So when I look to my friend, like, do you smell that? He goes, yeah, what is that? Uh, The crackhead is um, smoking crack in the car, windows rolled up while we're in the car. So uh, my uh, hood instincts had kicked in at that point because I was very upset thinking that I caught contact and I was high. 
So what happened on was, crack. unfortunately, we had to make the crackhead get out of the car, and we drove the car ourselves back uptown, and we gave him money to get on the train back because we were very, very <laughs> pissed off. So if you're in this dopey world and this dopey nation, just be ready for some really dopey things to happen. Peace. Except our listeners, Ed. Except our listeners aren't Ed. Our listeners are the people driving the car. They're probably both. Did I ever tell you I, I used to... He's got a nice voice, right? He does. He used to be on the radio. Yeah, didn't he do some graffiti show or some shit? I shouldn't have even said his name. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, anyways, dude, I, I remember I used to fucking cop dope in Roxbury, not dope, uh, coke, to shoot coke with this guy, Indio, and uh, he would shoot coke with me, with this other chick in the car, and uh, he was this like real tough looking guy, scary looking dude, he was, I think he was Dominican or something, some sort of Hispanic dude, and uh we caught a bunch of we we got a bunch of coke and we loaded up several syringes and I had this weird thing where as soon as I shot coke and this was him me and his girl in the back him in the pa- in the passenger seat his girl in the back seat and me driving and as soon as I shot coke I always thought it was better to just drive for some reason I thought if I was sitting there the cops were going to roll up on us real quickly so I'd like to drive and I just stare out my rearview mirror. And so I start driving, and Indio is this fucking scary gangster-looking dude, and he's, like, coked out, and he's, like, nervous with me driving, and I still remember at a red light, I pulled out, like, one of the preloaded syringes of Coke, and I shot it. And it so just, how many syringes did you have preloaded? I don't know. It was a 10-pack. I loaded up, like, five of them. So you're saying, before you started driving, you're, where, where were you loading them up? In the car? Yeah, in the car. So you're sitting in the car. You have a bottle sitting, of water? Yeah, I have a bottle of water or whatever. I, and you have I'm, a bag of Coke? And I used to use those, um, you know those candles things? Those little metal, you know little single candles you could buy? Yeah. There's like a metal thing underneath it. Those are like perfect. For tea it. candles. Yeah. They're called tea lights. Yeah, and, those, and they're really like thin metal. So like if you need to use it to heat ever or something, they heat like really fast. It's like a cooker. You yeah. could use the metal. But it's like a bigger one. You know? I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But I just find this insane. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, kids in movies who have to kill vampires and they get all their vampire killing shit together. <laughs> so you're and in the... steak, Yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, they're, they're, like, holy water, water balloons or shit. Yeah, yeah. But you're in the front seat of the car. You're in the front seat or the back seat? I'm in the driver's seat. You're the driver. The driver. You're sitting, like, parked someplace. Yeah, it's probably my dad's car. You're sitting here in your dad's car parked yeah. someplace. You have a 10-pack of syringes, a yeah. bag of Coke, some tea light candles, and a bottle of water. And, and you're Indio like, and his girlfriend. You're like, I like to load up all five at once, and then I hit myself at the red well, light. Well, no. How did you just, explain no, no, it? No, no, I just would put the whole bag of Coke in there, right? And then i just load up. A, one syringe several times and keep squirting the bag of Coke into the thing. To, I look at the Hold thing. On, I'd say, I'd say like this is, I'd say like look. I look at the bag of Coke. Whatever how much it was. Let's say it was like a half a gram, and I'd be like, okay, this is like five good shots if it's some good Coke. So then I'd put in like fifty units five times or something like that. You know. 
Into the bag. No, into the cooker after I put the whole bag of Coke in there. So I'd be like, oh, we'll just load them all up right now. And then, you know, he would get one. I would get one. How often did you hang out with India? (laughs) Actually, the only time we hang out and used was this one time. And I freaked him out so bad, though, because I shot Coke at the red light, right when it turned green, and he free, he literally was like, "You're fucking crazy! I got get out! I got to get out of the car! I got to get out of the car!" And then he got out, and I remember he was getting out, and he asked his girlfriend, the girl in the back, he's like, "Hold my hand! Hold my hand!" Because he was like so paranoid, he thought it would be better if she was holding his hand. That's <laughs> very sentimental and sweet. I just find it, it wasn't <laughs> sentimental and sweet. It was to throw the cops off somehow, I guess. But I just love that he was just, like scary. But how dude. could they and see? I was terrified. How could him. they see his hand? No, like as soon as they got to the street, oh, oh, he's like, like let's walking. look like we're lovers yes. strolling down yes, the exactly. street. That's exactly what he was trying to do. But was that your thing? Like when you got cool? No, I was just relating when I heard that story from Ed or whatever his name is that like how the crackhead couldn't wait to smoke crack with someone in the car. It was like that. I was like, I'd shoot coke while I was driving. I couldn't hey, wait. Yeah, well, dude, everybody. I, I Dude, I, I remember I used to score dope in Bushwick. You know, before Bushwick was nice, and I would get high on the subway platform. Yeah, have you, you know? seen the video of the guy shooting up in the bus? Have you seen that ODing in the bus? No. Go- Dopey Nation, Google um, guy overdosing on bus and watch that video. It's powerful shit. He gets on the bus. It's like all fucking crowded. There's like the security camera, and he like looks around and he like, on the side kind of draws it up. He looks real quickly. He hits himself real fast, and then you just see him, and he's like kind of swaying in his thing, and then he he falls over, and they pull the bus over, and the paramedics come. Everybody gets off the bus. That's sad. Yeah, it's it's one of the, I just first I just think it's amazing that you would load up five needles though. And then was whatever, that your always your well, thing? Well, then I, I would use. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like multiple well, needles. The thing is, like, I'd load up a bunch. Of, it was actually bad when I did that. Cause I'd load up a bunch of syringes of coke, and like I love the rush, you know, of the coke, which is like thirty seconds or whatever. And then you're still all coked up. Your heart's beating like a rabbit. Horrible. But you're just anxious as shit. So you just kept going for that rush. And, and then it was like, but like it, in order to enjoy, and you can't, you never really enjoy shooting coke. You'd, you love it and you want it, but you don't love it. You hate it. You know what I mean? It's like this weird dynamic. I always thought it felt horrible. Yeah, it's like, but it's like I want to do it again. Um, but I would load it up and then I would shoot the second shot like five minutes later, which is so stupid. You know what I mean? Because yeah. my heart's already, it's still like working it out of my system. But I'd put them in my socks. I always had syringes in my socks, loaded syringes. In the socks. Yeah. I just think um, you're a really sick person. You know what I was thinking about, too, is shooting coke? I, I, never, I, I think I told that story on Dovey was, I remember I was home once, and uh, I was living with my parents when I was like 25, 26, uh, for, I don't know, six months, right? In between treatments. Yeah, and I would go, I would go to the, uh, the bathroom in the gym in their building, right? And I'd shoot coke in the bathroom, and then I'd get on the elliptical, right? And I hadn't worked out at all. And I'd start doing the elliptical, and I'd purposely do it because I didn't want to go back to my parents' house because I'd shoot coke, and if I went back, I'm just neurotic and weird. And I thought, you know, I'd shoot the coke, and I'd work out on the elliptical for like an hour, and then like the endorphins would come, and it actually helped me come down. You know what I mean? Like getting this what you thought, or this was true? No, this is true. So, anyways, I would. Fucking, uh, I'd shoot coke and I'd get on the elliptical. I'd start on the elliptical. I'd be 30 seconds in and I'd use the heart sensors and I'd rate at 220 beats a minute, which if you don't know, that's extremely fast. So like I, my rest, like it wasn't a resting heart. I hadn't even started working out and I was beating at 220 beats a minute. But this is all your, this is all your fantasy stuff. This is, this is, I told you, there's one more I remember. This is, this is the stupidest. I shot coke in my bedroom when my dad was home. 
And I remember he, I was like, he's going to come in and check on me. Again, I'm like 25, 26. And so I know he's going to like open the door at some point to like say goodnight or something like that, you know? He's like, goodnight, my sweet well, prince. Think, you're like foaming yeah, at the mouth in your room. That's what it was. It was like, I didn't want to talk to him. So like, I, I, he, I knew he'd think it's weird that I'd been in my room for like seven hours since I got home. And I was like, he's going to at least want to get eyes on me before he goes to bed. So what I did is I found like a three-minute voicemail that I had saved on my phone. And I replayed that three-minute voicemail for hours. Because I just sit there and hit the button like after like a couple minutes to replay it. So finally when he came in, which he did after several hours, he came in and like it was like turned up pretty loud. And he like looks at me and I'm like, I'm on the phone. I'm like... I'm on the phone. <laughs> like, I can't What's talk. the voicemail? And so he at, it was just some the longest voicemail I could find. But I remember looking at my phone and it was just whatever the replay is, like eight or something. It was like eight, 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 Because I just had kept on replaying it for that one second when he came in and he looked at me that I could be on the phone and be like, you know, like like mouth oh, goodnight. Wait, wait. You couldn't just hold the phone. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was better. I thought it was even better because maybe he could hear the little bit of voice, you know? That's so funny. Yeah. It's also interesting that Wow, it was we're talking about five years ago, and you had a phone with voice memos on it. Like, yeah, I mean that's interesting to me. You met anybody who was wanting to talk to me? No, no. I mean, because I, when I was in that predicament, I didn't have a phone. Yeah, you know, no, I, I always, just, I always had a phone. I've always had my. Actually, that's not true. My numbers changed a lot. Whatever. Um, the other thing that uh, it makes me think of. And I never talk about this on Dopey anymore, but one thing that the, the, you know, and it might be, this might be glorifying drugs, but, um, that incredible thing that happens, you know, cause I never really liked shooting Coke. I, I shot Coke, I don't know, 20 times, you know, shooting Coke was not my thing, but I shot Coke when I could. Like, and I was always like, everyone loves shooting Coke so much. I should... And I did it 20 times. Yeah, I, nobody, like, it's like, I didn't love it. I, I hated it, but I, it was the most compulsive. It was my drug of choice, but I hated it. Yeah, it, was just, it didn't make sense. It was not, it had nothing to do with me. You know yeah. what I mean? But shooting heroin, I did it thousands and thousands of times. And I needed to, and I loved it and everything. And the most compelling thing in this conversation, you know, I think that multiple syringe thing is funny. I think everything you said was funny and interesting. But it reminds me of when I used to go... And you're sick, and you go cop, and you find a way to use, and you feel better. Like, what a crazy thing that is. What do you mean, before you use? No, actually getting well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just the phenomenon of it, that that change in you, that you're fucking dying, that you're, I, I remember my note, like, snot would be, like, in my hands, yeah. I'd be in these <laughs> fucking clothes, I'd be, like, done, yeah. and ready to die, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm, I'm some, in Brooklyn, or, or I'm in my apartment, or I'm at work, and I go into the bathroom, and it's like as though I shot up a shower, yeah. a meal, yeah. some self-esteem. I walk out of there like like yeah. the best. You go to the corner and you're like, like hey, oh, I have a chicken yeah, farm yeah, and a yeah, diet yeah. coke. Yeah, and it's like everything <laughs> is just, it's like what a crazy thing. Well, it's the power too, but it's, it's simultaneously being totally powerless. And it's like, I don't even mean powerless over the drink or drug because that's obviously what we're talking about. But I mean like one step further, it's like we're powerless over like our sickness, but we also have this insane power over controlling it 
Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's what it was. I was addicted to the power of controlling my feelings, my sickness, my emotion with drugs and alcohol. I think every every drug addict is totally addicted to that. And when they get that fix to to fix the fact that they have nothing and they have something, it's like. I think the big, the bigger thing, and this is the true affliction for the people who are really got the bug, right? Is it's like today, even at this point where it's like the obsession and the compulsion to use has been lifted. I don't experience it anymore. If I get pain, if I'm spiritually sick, which I am sometimes, uh, waxing and waning in my life, do you know what I mean? And I paint myself in a serious enough corner, my default will be maybe I should get high. You know, and it's it, it's not even me. It comes from fucking nowhere. Do you know what I mean? And it's like that is like it's at the core. You know what I mean? It's really deep, deep in there. You know, and that's why it's like you need to be on guard. You need to work on your program, even when you're like doing pretty good, doing all right. Well, you know, I, I went to a meeting this morning. Okay, and like my life is pretty pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you whine about it, but it's, it's pretty good, dude. My lately, I haven't even had like issues with with uh, with my beautiful fiance. Yeah, I, I, haven't, yeah, I haven't heard anything. I haven't had issues. Like my my life has been pretty fucking smooth. Yeah, you've whined about like being depressed and stuff, but it's usually associated with just being tired. Well, it's it's the fact that I'm a slave. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's but, not about like your. Sometimes it's about your environment and your circumstances, but it's not that right now. No, I mean, and, and so, but things at work get me really upset, but like, I lose my temper once in a while, but, but I'm, my life is good and I'm happy and, but I got to the meeting this morning and the meeting was all about, you know, how program makes it so your life is great. That was the meeting. It was about, it was so like, very like Scientology as a, yeah. Program makes my, how program, and they use that word program. How program makes my life great. I, there's probably you know there's a truth to that. I just hate that language. Oh, I hate I, it. I, I, but then it was like it was one, it was one person after the next. You know, because there is a little bit of like comparison shopping in that place, and everyone mm. wants to. People eat like the majority of the shares are how good their lives are, or like how totally crippled somebody else's emotionally or um somebody like telling a story about work so you know how much money they make oh, i hate that shit. so then i raise my hand and i start talking about how you know my life is good but i still get angry all the time you know i find my like i like i got angry at my dad last night yeah you know or i get angry at work and and I was like, my life is pretty good, but wh- I said, but why can't program make it perfect? <laughs> you did not. I say did. That. I did. I had a big belly laugh. It sounds like an, almost like an extraterrestrial, like alien from one of my sci-fi things. Like, yeah. why can't program? <laughs> why can't program make it perfect? But then I went to work, and um, and I'm like, and there's this guy I work with, this guy Lenny, and like. I I could talk about Lenny forever. Lenny needs program. Lenny wants me to die. He 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 like wants. Is that Lenny IG? What do you mean Lenny IG? Like Lenny on Instagram? Is that Lenny? Yeah. But he, Lenny likes you. He's always liking our stuff. I know, and I love Lenny. Lenny Lenny used to come to my house 
Lenny, Lenny's a waiter I work with. Oh, is Lenny the hot dog guy? Yeah. Oh, I love Lenny, dude. Lenny, Lenny if you're listening, was he great as a pilot. Oh, yeah. Lenny doesn't listen. Lenny used to come to my house literally yeah. every day after work. Yeah. He wouldn't talk to me. He would sit there. We would smoke bong hits. Then he'd roll like two... Like he would... I'd be like, let's just have just a few bong hits. And, and he'd roll fat blunts. Yeah. We'd smoke like three blunts and then we'd smoke bong hits. Yeah. And he would just sit on his phone. He wouldn't say a word. And I would like be he like, even talk to you? No, he wouldn't say he wouldn't say anything. Yeah. And he would, then he would watch Sports Center. Yeah. And I'd be like, let's listen to music. He'd always put on Nas. Yeah. He, you know, he, he wouldn't want to listen. Or he either liked Johnny Cash or Nas. And the only thing he would talk about, he'd be like, dude, your bong's really dirty. Let's go to the store and clean it. Every three <laughs> weeks, we'd have a conversation about cleaning the bong, and he'd be like, "Yo, go buy that chemical. Let's go to the store." And that's that's what we would talk about. And then we'd be sitting in the kitchen. He'd be like. I can't believe your bong is this dirty and I have to clean it. And he's like, washing it out. I've never cleaned my bongs, ever. Lenny wants that glassware to shine. And he would shine that shit up. I would empty the water out, but I'd never clean it. But fast forward to today at work. Lately, he's just like stealing people from me and he's trying to get me angry. And today, he stole a party from me and he like... He wanted me to lose it because I fucking I, I go berserk at work. Damn. Like I go berserk. Like sc- I scream across the restaurant. Like I go just because I I like to. You yeah. know what I mean? You mean in front of the customers? From everybody. The Don't managers. You get in trouble for that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Sometimes I really do get in trouble for it. But yesterday I swore. It's like a New York experience for the tourists. And I I just <laughs> I that on the show that feeling. Of being able to scream anything I want. It just feels good. And not get in trouble, too. I, but sometimes I get but in even trouble. even if you get in trouble, you're still there. I still... Yeah. It's I, like if it just makes you powerful in some way. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I don't give a shit. Yeah. I can do what I want. Yeah. Bah, bah. Does anybody <laughs> else do that? No. <laughs> I do it. Um, and I shouldn't, though. It's really immature. Well, imagine if everybody else started doing it. They'd get fired. Yeah. I get away with it because I have a certain skill set. Yeah. Like, I can do things there that they can't do. Yeah. But also, I mean, whatever. But, um... Well, it's true. It's what I said, though. It's like tourists come and, like, they probably like you to wait on them because it's probably... It's part of the experience. Yeah. It's, but it's... I'm, I'm also funny and clever and I do I'm interesting saying. things, yeah. you know? Like, um... I had some customer recently. And I was like, I was like, you're an idiot. And he just starts laughing, and I, and and then like he gave me extra. I was like, he was like, this this is because you called me an idiot, and he like gave me like thirty bucks. Oh, that's awesome. But then like somebody else, I was feeling full of myself. But the point is that today Lenny did it to me, and yesterday Ishmael Ishmael was like, David, I do not want to hear about you making a scene in the restaurant anymore. Yeah. I, I don't, you stupid faggot. I don't want you to do that. But he's serious. Yes. Yeah. He goes, he goes, it, it's very bad for the, for you. It's very bad for the store. I, I will have to suspend you. Yeah. And I said, Ishmael, I swear to God, I will not do it again. Okay. I swear to God, I will make every available piece of me resist doing it. Yeah. And then today, Lenny steals a party from me. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like bulging. Does Lenny know what yes. he's doing? You're yes. positive. 
everyone was like, everyone's like, he wants you to do it. Yeah. He and Lenny, the thing about Lenny he is he... doesn't look at you and laugh and smile or anything? No, no, no. He wants me to do it, and when I do it, he goes even crazier than I go. What do you mean? He like, reacts too? Oh, he, he gets, gets angry? Angrier than I get. Yeah. It's like this crazy dance, you know? Yeah. And he did it today, and I like, I like just, I didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't react. Yeah. I didn't respond. Yeah. And I was like... Everything was okay. Program works. I was like, program works. <laughs> I really felt. I really, really. And then I went on with program my day. I went on with my day. I was like, holy shit! I should go to more meetings. Lenny needs program. Lenny needs program. Lenny's a gambling <laughs> addict, a food addict, a marijuana addict, marijuana dependence, marijuana dependence for real, and um, and he's an asshole, Lenny. Lenny needs program. Lenny needs program, my G. But we have right. callers, dude, yeah, don't let's we? call Harold. What's his name? Harold. And you were in rehab with him. Yeah, you can ask him about the whole thing. First, I want to play his song. Okay. What the, how, how, where, where are we at? Let me see. We at 40 minutes. All right, this is Harold. Keep him till like 10 minutes, then, or it goes to over 15. Is that all right? Well, go as long as it's good. Okay. Harold's a musician. Oh, this isn't it. Shit. Fucking A. Harold's a musician I met in, um... Florida, he's very much like, um, he's very like pavement influenced. Why are you calling me? Do you know who pavement is? Chasing pavements? You know that song by Adele? No, it's a band called Pavement. Pavement. You never heard of them? You're so fucking stupid. I'm stupid, yes. Did you find it yet? I'm finding it. What, are you trying to get me upset? Or you really think I'm stupid because I played the wrong song? I just want to see if program's still working. Program was working like a charm.
That's my buddy Harold. This is the dude we're calling. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, give him a jingle. I like the song. Going to Home Depot and come back with a fistful of cash. Yeah. David. Yo, Harold. Hey. We're on the show. We're on the show. Okay, cool. We're on the show. How are you? I'm I'm good. I just uh, I just played. I wanna relapse with you. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh shit. Cool. Thank you. Chris liked it. Hey, Harold. What's up? I'm Chris. Chris. Hey. Nice to meet you. I I really enjoyed your uh, friendship with Francesca. Dave told me the the, the Italian woman. Yeah, that was that was funny. I totally forgot about that. Uh, and you, you texted me while I was working. I was like, oh, yeah, Francesca was funny. Yeah. So, Harold, tell yes. tell Chris how we met and tell him, tell him, tell him all about, about our, our meeting. And, and our- oh, oh, yeah, sure. So, David, David and I met um, in Delray Beach, Florida in, like, 2002. No, I think, and we were- yeah, 2002, yeah. Something like that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Three, maybe? No, I think 2001, 2002. Early 2000s, early aughts, 2002, 2003. And we were both in this, like, very intense and absurd, uh, very expensive rehab that, in retrospect, is, is something I really, I just sort of almost hate myself for because my poor mother who had inherited a large sum of money, but not that much money, wasted a lot of that money on that rehab and, and rehabs like that. Yeah. And um, I know it was Renaissance, um, right? A similar service can be obtained for nothing. But, um, <laughs> you know, hey, I didn't really understand what was going on back then. And I, I didn't really even want to be there. You have to know, true. you have to know that Chris's parents spent like, 15 times more so Chris can relate to this this story yeah 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 you know and, and uh, totally yeah so yeah I, we all can't yeah it happens so 
so Gabe, we, we met there, and like I was like this like growing up in South Florida, you know. It's not the coolest coolest place in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? But and, you were uh, you were very I cool. Had, he was this very cool rocker I had some kid. Cool sensibilities. I was on to some cool shit. I think it was either you or that guy David. Who unfortunately, I don't know what happened to him, but it was a really sad story. Something really tragic had happened, and anyway. Um, but Dave was like this cool New Yorker, and he was really funny, and all this shit. So I really looked up to him and thought he was rad. And then we didn't so see we each other again. Experience. No, not for not for a, a couple times afterwards. I think you were kind of really bummed out. I think maybe you started smoking weed again or something. And you were like working at this furniture depot or something, yeah. and you're just miserable. Yeah. But you were, you you were hanging out in the halfway house, and then and then I came by. You watched. Uh, you watch an episode or two of that show you produced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there was, like, some, some bands that I was a fan of that you'd interviewed. And there was a really funny bit with Steve Malcolmus where you're totally driving him crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was really that was classic. Funny, it was actually really funny. He had no sense of humor about it. No. Wait, wait. So what was Dave, no, like, what was his personality like? Like, what was your first thing you thought about him when you met him? The first? Thing I thought when I met David, I can't really recall, but but in general, I'd say, yeah, I just thought David was a funny, interesting person. I guess. I mean, yeah, I didn't have really anything <laughs> negative. You know, I don't think there were any negative experiences. Because Harold, you have to know, I met Chris in the exact same scenario that I met you. <laughs> I, I met really? him at, at a at a rehab in Connecticut. You know, and he, he like wrote something about meeting me and he was like that I wouldn't shut up and I just kept smoking cigarettes and laughing at the, at the situation <laughs> I was in. Yeah. Um, but we, we both laughed a lot. I, I still recollect, I mean, that, the whole tear you down thing and they call you names, uh, it was one of the funniest, I mean, I was laughing all the time. And how ridiculous the whole thing was. I mean, it was hilarious. About the rehab, about the modality, the way they they treated the patients. At yeah, that they yeah. they break you down. They kind of, there were these there were these guys, you know, I don't want to mention their names, but they were just you know, just they certain personalities and they had these big egos, you know. Some of them were from hardened lives or whatever they were. One thing I admired is they really were thorough. Like they were very good. Yeah, they, they were crazy <laughs> though. They they took they were my totally gu- crazy. They took my guitar. And they put it in the middle of the room, and they said, "What kind of toxic person's guitar looks like this? Because it like had a burn on it or something." And then they made I me wish sit. I had been there for that. They oh, made God, they made me sit in the middle, and they made they like made me sit with the guitar, and, and like that. It was that guy. Uh, I want to say his name. I'm going to say his name. Uh, that yeah, guy, go for it. That Michael Herbert. <laughs> Michael, Michael, Herbert. Michael, Herbert, he was this black, uh, black therapist with dreads, yeah. and he was like, yeah. "Take a look at the most toxic person in the community," <laughs> and they had me sitting in the middle of the fucking room. I was like, "Come on, I'm the most toxic person here." I was like, "The most." Oh, wait, you were totally chill, like whatever, man. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but that's what that place was like. But um, but fuck yeah, about that, a- Harold. You're on the phone. You're 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 in some sober living situation. Let's talk about what's yeah. happening now. Fuck all that past I'm, stuff. I, 
I actually, in, in a funny way, it's almost a full circle. You know, I've come out of a rehab that, it didn't tear you down, but they had lots of rules, you know, and I actually, I got kicked out of Renaissance after two months where we were, and I got kicked out of this place two days ago. What, what was the place you're at? I, it, I, should I mention the name? Should I, I, it doesn't matter to called? me. Yeah. Cry Help. Oh, it's yeah, so Karen Renaissance been, Impact in, uh, in L.A., no, fu- shut up. Yeah, so we cry help. We actually prank phone call them on Dopey, and like uh, I'll find the episode. But we have a prank phone call oh where we spent twenty, we spent 20 minutes fucking with the intake person there. Oh my god! Yeah, dude, I'm Diane Baker is like one of the head women person. You know, one of the higher up in charge and I've been trying to find her personal cell phone number so I can break all her <laughs> I'm like on a mission it's highly protected well we had our but, friend uh, we had our friend prank phone call them and the first thing he does is he calls them and he starts crying help over and over he's going hello <laughs> <laughs> oh my anyway, god sorry, continue so continue why did they kick you out oh yeah oh my god it's it's it, uh, it's a long, it's a long story to get the whole. It was a chain of events, and I, it was okay. So I'll just go. I'll just go with my story. If it gets boring, let me know. We can we speed it up. So Diane Baker, who uh, you know, is kind of uh, like maybe the third down in the ladder of uh, authority there. You know, the CEO Jack Bernstein. There's this woman Marlene, and Jack and, and Marlene have been there since like 1960 or whatever, and they were once patients and whatever. And Diane does this group called Co-Occurring Relapse, which is for people who are addicts and also suffer from chemical imbalances of whatever nature. So the very first group with her, um, you know, she asked me what, what, you know, introduce yourself and tell us your, your diagnosis. Right? Yeah, I'm, my name's Harold, I'm an addict and I have a uh, chemical imbalance. And she's like, well, well what, what's your chemical imbalance? I said, well, you know, my psychiatrist said don't trip on labels and it's got a chemical imbalance. And she kind of like, kept prodding me for a specific answer and I wouldn't give her one and and it wasn't like a problem I'd say in that 45 minute group or whatever it was an hour I, I there was an exchange of a lot of positive emotions and she goes she's very hard she goes I'd say hard to paint she's very you know she'll just she's very blunt right and uh, and I was being very blunt too uh, with you know some of the other patients and it was all fun you know and she there was just, uh, I got this feeling that she was cool, you know? I'm like, yeah, I don't think everyone's terrified of her. I think she's real, I'm on her good side. You know, she really likes me. I like her. I enjoyed the group. I, I, I said how much I told her how much I enjoyed it, how great I thought she was or whatever at her job. I was sincere about it. So the next time we were in group, <laughs> she asked me my uh, diagnosis. And I say, you know, it's bipolar type 2 psychophania. She's like, what's psychophania? Now, this is a person who's been in the field for 40 years and she leads this co-occurring relapse group. I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like, she said, what's your diagnosis? I give it to her specifically, you know. Uh, she said, what's psychothymia? I said, I don't know. Maybe you should Google it. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> so is psychothymia? It's an issue. What is it? It's rapid cycling. Two, rapid cycling manic depression. It's different than like, um, and I eventually explained it, you know, gave her a little bit of shit. I thought it was just a friendly troll. Like, you know, you troll your friends, like, you and I'm so sorry. I forgot. It's Chris or David. Chris. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, like you guys, you bust each other's chops, you know, it's fun. Yeah. And I just, like, it was a very light troll, I thought. It was a friendly troll. So, no no big deal. It's just like, it's like a sign me a rapid cycling, whatever. It's not like the, I think I'm Jesus, I'm running around. It's more just like, like I was in the blind, but I didn't have any problem for years. You know, actually, Renaissance was the first place where the psychiatrist there diagnosed me with it. And I was like, blow me, dude. You're just part of the pharmaceutical industry. Like, that, that, that. I didn't say what you mean. I gave it, like, no... No credence or respect at all. And, uh, you know, um, it took me until really maybe in the last couple of years to sort of uh, embrace that and seek treatment for it, and, and it's been very beneficial to do so. Um, yeah, so um, the, the next day I was caught. I had the cell phone hidden upstairs, the cell phone I'm using to talk to you on right now. I was allowed to have access to it at certain times but uh, I got hit to a little bit of hustle I got an Obama phone so I kept the Obama phone downstairs and kept my iPhone you know on me very well hidden uh, <laughs> which some of the people who had been in jail taught me how to do it it was really funny like you take like uh, underwear you cut off the elastic band you make this pouch out of a sock you get like a shoelace and you tie it up and you have it like in your pants you know so because they'll search everything except your you know your pants right so yeah. this is a way of like you know getting the cell phone you know and, you, and I had it for weeks and I was enjoying it and I just got too comfortable with it because like what's the point of having the phone if you're not going to enjoy it so I'm up in my bed I've got my eyes closed you know headphones on music on full blast just blissfully enjoying whatever you know here comes the sun by the Beatles George Harrison and, uh, <laughs> you know, I get busted, caught red-handed, turn the phone, no big deal. So I'm expecting to, to deal with this situation on Monday when Diane Baker returns to work. And here's the funny part. This is, I, it, this is absolutely hilarious. So I kind of dress, you know, like, uh, like, I'd be, like as if I were going to a job interview. You're kind of like I'm going to see the judge. You know, I'm going to go see Diane. And uh, she's like, Harold, I need to speak to you in my office. And I totally expected. I go sit in the office. She said, do you know why you're here? I said, yeah, I'm so sorry, the cell phone. She said, no, it's not about the phone. I said, it's not about the phone. What? Well, what's it about? She said, do you remember what you said to me on Friday? And I was like, um, no. <laughs> she was like, she called me a Google psychopath. <laughs> she really didn't I like that. Like I, I felt like I was on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, I mean, I was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. So inside I'm dying laughing, you know, but of course I don't let her see any of that. And I'm apologetic. She's like, uh, no, don't apologize. I'm already over it. Well, clearly, right? That's why we're talking about it right now. And it totally trumped the issue of the cell phone. The cell phone was like a footnote in the meeting. And I... Well, Harold... I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. But she probably was like, all junkies smuggle phones in... But most junkies don't tell me to Google their fucking type A diagnosis. You heard her ego. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like if you were getting a blowjob from some you know girl, they would be like, well, that happens a lot. Or if yeah. you smuggle drugs, that happens. But you were like, go fuck yourself. And she's like, I want to talk to you about that. You know? All right, so what happened? So what happened? This is why you get kicked sense. out? But I didn't think it was a real go fuck yourself. I thought it was just a friendly troll. Yeah. You yeah, know, well, I like think it was funny. Class, it wasn't like I didn't like her and she didn't like me. I thought that we had established that we had a 
you know, again, she's very blunt, very direct. She can be sarcastic, and she approaches the client population like she could say that to a client or worse, and does all the time. And I've, you, you know, been blunt or sarcastic or whatever, or dick, in a fun way to other clients in her presence, and it wasn't an issue. It was only when it was directed at her ego that it became problematic. Well, I think that's another funny thing in my mind. It's like I remember when I would be in treatment and there would be a clinician who I thought was talented or smart. And I would be like, I really think you run a nice group. And they're like looking at me in my pajamas. (laughs) They're like, I don't give a shit what you think. So like when you're like saying, oh, yeah, you're really doing a great job. It's like. Thank you. It's like, you know what I mean? The second you leave and you come back dressed in your normal clothes and you tell them you think they're smart, all of a sudden your opinion counts. But I think I think when you're when you're don't you think when you're being treated if you offer some like piece of like like compliment to the clinician, they're going to be like, "Who yeah, the fuck are you?" Patronizing. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Well, also, I think just in, in general, off, and that's what's going on. But I, I, I didn't feel like that was the vibe of it. I thought that there was, and there was, and I think there still is. Like, you know, it's a love hate relationship. Well, what, Chris? What's your experience point. with that? Well, I just was thinking, okay, so I got um, in tr- I got forced to shave. I had a big beard at this rehab called Alina Lodge, and it's because there was this guy who probably has some similarities to the woman you're talking about, who he used to get up and he would speak there, and he was like the executive director of the treatment center. His name was Mark Schottinger, right? And everyone called him Shotty. And uh, he'd worked at like 14 treatment centers, has like a very kind of controversial reputation. And he'd, he'd lead these like lectures. And after the lecture, you had – everybody had to write a note about what they learned from him. And I just thought he was I, – I, I thought he was so arrogant, you know, that I was like – I wrote this note. And I was like – first of all, I was like he probably doesn't even fucking read these notes, you know. So – he spent right. he spent the lecture talking about how he goes around the country and he uh, he raises money to keep the price of the rehab down. Now this rehab was like a one year stay rehab. It was like fifteen grand a month, so it was really expensive, especially when like the average stay is a year. You know that that's how long people stay. And so I left in my note. I said I found it outrageous. I found Mark Schottinger's comments outrageous and ludicrous. <laughs> And I said, he implies that he's this spiritual Robin Hood traveling around the country to raise money to keep the price down for the treatment center when in reality we lack a single person of color here. You wrote that? <laughs> I wrote that. And then he fucking flipped out. He got some sound like you. But it's much worse than I understand. From what he said, it sounds playful and it sounds like, like you said, like a light troll. But I think probably a cry help from my understanding from the people who are there. It's a pretty tough crowd, you know. Um, I don't know if it's changed in the last ten years, but when I, like ten years ago, it was like pretty pretty like hard knock people there, and uh, I, I don't think they're used to getting challenged intellectually at least. No, they they definitely are not. Yeah. Um. But the crowd changed a lot since then, but now it's kind of going back to that, and I think. Me being discharged has a lot to do with it. They're very understaffed. They just started taking Medi-Cal, like, in July, which is how I was able to get in. Because they had, you know, I, I guess there's only, diff- there's only different ways people can, can access it. But I came in right at the, 
right, the first wave of Medi-Cal patients, you know, it's probably one of the first 10. And the population before, that's one of the things I loved about CryHelp was like, you know, not to sound ignorant or classist or something, which I'm going to sound when I say this, but, you know, it was like a lot of like middle class people, like, you know, that had insurance from Kaiser and this and that. And it was a really great community and, and, and still is. Like, um, there's, I, I, that rehab for whatever reason, I really just, especially compared to the rehabs I went to in New York on Medicaid, I mean, it was just, it still is, I think, a much, a much cooler community for me to experience and hang out in for whatever reason. So even people on Medi-Cal, whatever. But yeah, so they, they are understaffed and they have this big influx of, of new clients and, uh, they needed to keep order. So having somebody like me, you know. So why did they kick you out in the end, Harold? I don't understand. Why did they kick you out? Well, that was the first strike. You know, that was strike one. Strike two occurred in another group, and I I still feel like it was very unfair. It was a different individual. And the irony for me is, like, it was the same group, but a different facilitator because Diane wasn't available. And I had a business pass to go out. And I changed the business path. I'm like, I really want to have a group with Diane Baker again. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I end up in this situation with a different uh, CDW is what they call them. And he was facilitating this group. It's kind of like a case manager who was facilitating the group. And, you know, I was maybe a little bit arrogant or something. Like, I, he asked me to introduce myself as an addict. And I said this in other groups and had no problem. I mean, I was basically there for like almost 70 days and I never ran into any problems until, you know, Diane Baker and then this guy, Jason, the following week, you know. So I was used to expressing myself in a very free, open way and saying my mind and getting actually a lot of positive social feedback from it. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I said, I said like, yeah, my name's Charlie an addict. I don't know why we have to introduce ourselves as addicts. It's not an NA meeting, you know. But yeah, I'm an addict. And then I said, I'm trying to dial back my personality a little bit because some people are sensitive to some things. And, you know, I kind of think they're little bitches. But, and then so he got, he caught me on that. He said, well, why did you say this? I said, well, you asked me to share. I'm telling you my mind. He said, yeah, but it's supposed to be positive. And I agreed with him. I said, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry you did say that. It is supposed to be positive. I acknowledged my mistake and I moved on. Uh, you know, I'm really into my recovery. It's very important to me. I had some experiences. I shared them with David uh, on a phone call prior to this about how, like, certain events took place. And I'm just really about recovery and spirituality and all this stuff. And people are going around and sharing, and I'm, like, cheering them on. And then the guy shares at the end, the counselor, Jason uh, D'Ambrosia, or whatever his last name is, the CW. And, you know, I gave him a fist bump, like, sincerely. I thought it was a great share that he to the group and you know I really didn't think there was any major problems there so about 10 minutes later uh, I'm asked to hey this guy in one of the texts is like hey uh, your CDW Tyler is my CDW wants you to wait for him in the lobby I'm like okay cool thinking it's nothing major the guy Jason comes down do you know why you're on the bench so being on the bench is like they're debating kicking you out Ugh. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm on the bench. And I'm like, and then you look down and you're why? sitting on a bench. <laughs> you're like, I am on the bench. I'm like, why am I on the bench? And he's like, for your behavior in group. And I said, I said, 
what the hater? And he got very defensive. And I said, listen, no, I'm not trying to argue with you. Like, what are you referring to? You know? And he said to me, you have nothing positive to share ever. You're always negative. And I saw you huffing and puffing whenever, when it got, and whenever anybody got too excited. So I realized I was dealing with someone that was not having, you know, at all an accurate appraisal of the situation. And, you know, I don't argue with people like that. I just said, hey, you know, I, I, I wasn't arguing with you now, but I just have to agree to disagree. You know, I just don't, I just don't see, but not, see that. Not to mention, true. why should anybody be kicked out of treatment because they're negative? Like, should that be a criteria to being kicked out of treatment, Chris? I I, no. I think it's insane, personally, but... Uh, you go there to get well, not to be positive. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have less than 90 days off of heroin. I'm not robbing old ladies. I'm not, I'm not even sleeping with any of the women there. And there was definitely opportunities to do so. <laughs> uh, I, haven't, I haven't deviated on the passes that they knew about, so... And yeah, I'm thinking there's no fucking way they're going to kick me out, right? Like, come on. And they didn't. They didn't kick me out. To their credit, they didn't kick me out. But I was really, really on thin ice. And and, 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 and I can only blame myself for the third incident because it was very unwise. I, I now have the, you know, the most common sense sometimes, especially with hierarchies, you know. Um, so I thought I had to hide from, like, the patient population. I stopped sharing in groups. I was like, I'm not going to share in groups anymore unless it's mandatory, and then I'm just going to say a very generic short share and just not, you know, just hide. Anything I say at this point, I'm, like, liable to be thrown out. Like, I've been warned that, like, I'm about to be thrown out for my attitude or something. Which really is actually, you know, whatever. And then, um, yeah, I put myself, like, in the wolf's den. I was upstairs where the, all the CWs and Diana is. And I'm up there using a computer because I'm looking for work and I'm trying to do this, that, and the other. And I'm approached by a CDW. I'm on the phone. Thank God it wasn't with a job. It was with my sponsor. I had made other phone calls, like, looking for work and whatnot. And, uh... Shit, fire the back. But anyway, uh, you know, this guy comes up to me and he's like, what are you doing up here? Why are you on the phone? Why are you guys listening? Uh, my EW Tyler said it's cool. I'm allowed to be up here. He said, but why are you on the phone? I'm like, listen, man, I'm on the phone with my sponsor. I'm allowed to be up here. Is that a problem? And he walked away. And uh, this is this was this was this is where I, I I really fucked up and should have been more aware of what was going down. Uh, my sponsor's like, what's going on? And I have a very casual you know, in a relationship with my sponsor as far as the way we talk to each other. We're very serious about recovery, but we talk to each other in a very, like, I'll call my sponsor and he'll say, who the fuck is this? And he knows who it is. I'm like, it's Harold. Who the fuck's Harold? You know, you just fuck, you know, you fuck with each other. So, I'm kind of in that mode and this guy's just kind of like a gnat in my hair. I'm like, get, just get away, you know, and I'm trying to talk to my sponsor. My sponsor's like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, it's cool. Don't trip. They're just being douchebags again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, like, saying it to this guy's face. I was just saying it to my sponsor, and, like, you know, I, I thought nothing of it. I, you know, I'm just kind of like, whatever, no big deal. And ten minutes later, I'm, I'm being asked to, to leave. You oh know? And I'm like, wow. Wow. I was really, really surprised. You know? Really surprised that that happened. And, uh, it's nuts. But you hit the ground running. 
You got you got housing yeah. and, and people and stuff. Yeah, I had this music carriage thing lined up. They're paying for my sofa with for two months. And they knew that. I think they knew. I think they really believed that I had nowhere to go and was going to use or endanger. I don't think they would have thrown me out. I think they knew I was like fine, you know. And just like you said, they, they've got or maybe they're, they're they're getting into a more difficult situation with the type of people that are coming in as well as the volume and they're just they just can't deal with anything i think their concern was if i was being that much of dicks to them they assumed that i was being more of dick of a dick to the clients but it's actually the opposite and i tried to convey that when i talked to her before i'm like look i i you know it's it's yeah so i, I really didn't have there's a couple of people that didn't like me out of like a hundred but I mean, it, it wasn't like i was going around instigating fights or something and being you know just being a dick to people in the case, it was a really, really well liked. It's crazy. It, it's really crazy because every time I've ever been to treatment, it's been like, like the no fighting, no, no fucking, no fixing, no fruiting, no flirting, no flirting. You know, and it doesn't sound like you were in any of those classic violations. Um, no, that's why I thought I was like they're just kind of like trying to scare me. You know, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I just. I tried to protect myself. I knew I needed to protect myself, and that's why I didn't share in the groups. But I wasn't... If I did again, I would just uh, cut back in the groups and then also avoid anybody level CW and up because that's the only place where the problems were occurring. You know? So I could have just avoided them, and that would have been easy enough for me to do, and I, I'd still thought maybe I'd still be there. Right on. But it's fine. But, it's not a big Harold, problem, you know? it's, it's totally late for us. But I was wondering if you could think of any horrible drug story and condense it down and, and give us the fire version. Oh, fuck. Or you could do it another time. We could do it another time. I'm happy to get... I mean, we played your song and we heard a little bit about how you got kicked out of Cry Help. Um, but we got we to gotta be done soon. But I would love to hear a little drug story. Yeah. We could save it for another time. That's cool. Maybe maybe save it for another time. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't really have like a drug story. My situation is just kind of like a sad, you know, lonely. Like it doesn't. There's not really like a standout event. Although there, there's maybe one situation where I went to a hospital here in Los Angeles just a month before going into cry help, and um, I, I went there because I was like out of my mind on methamphetamine, and, and, I, and I just wanted to get some benzos to go to sleep and I got the benzos in the ER the last thing I remember is the benzo IV hitting my brain you know getting into my blood and oh finally I can fall asleep and I fell asleep and I wake up in the front seat of someone's car that's not mine the door is ajar and the woman who's the owner of the vehicle is screaming (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy and um, I fucking was like, holy shit, and quickly realized what had happened and was like desperately explaining to this woman, like, I just got on this Benzos, I'm sorry, I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm arrested. The police come, they handcuff me almost instantly. I don't know how they appeared that fast. And this hospital staff was just drilling this woman, you gotta press charges, da 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 da. And I'm pleading with her, please, 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 please don't. And God bless her heart, she, she, I think, hear me, and she just said, I'm not going to press charges, and I was let go. 
Awesome. That was uh, that's a crazy. pretty gnarly that is, story. That's a perfect, that's a perfect story. No, Harold, tell, tell, tell Chris about when you, were, when you left treatment and you got on the train. I left treatment and I got on the train. Well, you were on some the train and the guy comes up to you and he's like, do you have a lighter? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's how I relapsed. So, um, how much clean time did you have? Well, I was only off of Suboxone for like two or three days. So tell, tell the story. Uh, yeah, so uh, I came to New York, right? Uh, I left this rehab in New York, flew to, to California because Silver Living sucks in New York. I was on Suboxone. I was slowly tapering over the course of like a month or something. Finally got off of it. I almost feel like it was like the devil or like the dark side of the whatever. You know, so I'm at my weakest moment. I go to this meeting in L.A., and sometimes the meetings in L.A. are as welcoming as in New York, and I, I'm Harold, I'm new, blah, 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 and I'm just two days off the box, and nobody introduces themselves to me. I'm feeling very lonely. A girl that I had been on, like, two dates with wasn't returning my text, and I'm just feeling like shit. Three days off the box, and, you know, new kid on the block, lonely, miserable. And I'm just going home from a meeting. I'm not seeking drugs. I'm just on the train at uh, Vermont and um, Sunset, and I'm down there, like, on the platform, and the street urchin approaches me, and he asked me to produce a lighter, which I was like, okay, you know, I had a lighter, I gave him the lighter. He produces a meth pipe right away, starts smoking it in my face, doesn't ask me for money, anything, just hands me the pipe, and I'm like, oh, fuck, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I'm just like, don't do it. The whole time that I'm bringing it to my lips and smoking methamphetamine, which is my first time smoking methamphetamine. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's how I uh, ended up in cryo. That's fucking crazy. I'm relapsing there. That's the type of thing you hear and you're like, that (laughs) That would never happen. Like, I'd, like, tell my parents that happened. and. Like this guy he showed up, he gave me a pipe full of meth. I, I didn't want it. I thought it was tobacco. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harold, I knew, I knew exactly what it was, but uh, yeah. So let's we'll we'll call you we'll call you back um, in a couple weeks. But you should call me anyway during the week because uh, I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> I will. I will. I'd love to tell you uh, about the good positive recovery stuff to you or whatever. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on and that. And, and, uh, it's been fun. Let's talk soon. And we want to hear more tunes. I haven't heard this tune you sent oh, me yeah. while I was working today. I'll, I'll listen to it later tonight. Yeah, listen to it later. Tell me what you think. Totally. All right, bud. Thanks, thanks for playing the song. Th- of course. Thanks, Harold. Chris, pleasure speaking to you. Totally. Love, love having you on. Thanks so much. Take care. You too. Good night. He kind of reminds me of Todd a little bit for some reason. It's just that he's a funny, and, funny yeah, drug addict. Yeah. His voice is nothing like Todd's, but he's a funny drug addict. You know, he's smart. It sounds like Todd to me. He sounds nothing like Todd. He sounds exactly like Todd. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It was good. Can you do me a favor? What? Can you bust out the the reviews and read that new review? It's so good before we're done. The John and Paul one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the next episode, let's play that uh, one voice memo from the counselor. Yeah, and we should also do the John Jacob song. We should do the John Takeoff song, and I'm supposed to call my friend. I don't know if he still can. We still can. She's really into it. All right, so um, let's uh, and tell them what they need to do for us if they don't mind. It doesn't matter if I tell them or not. I'll just tell them because I'm trying to find it. 
So, in my quest for personal satisfaction, it occurred to me that I want the Dopey Podcast to have more reviews than the Share Podcast. So, what I would like you to do, if you don't mind, is go on iTunes and leave a five-star review about Dopey. I don't care if you write that we suck or anything, but just give us the five stars. Because, you know, I want to compete with Omar. You know what? I don't care if you write that we suck. or I don't even care if you give us one star. I just like to see the number after the stars go up. You do what you want. You can do whatever you want. If you think it's a one-star podcast, give it a one-star. If you think it's a five-star podcast, give it a five-star. That would be great. And uh, if you also don't mind, like us on Facebook, follow us on uh, Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Reddit. Send us an email. Send us a voice memo. Send us a voicemail. And stay sober. So here's the uh, review of the week. Send in a song. This Send is, in some dopey art. This is from um, uh, iLark, and the subject is Dopey is Dope. It's uh, from four days ago. Dave and Chris are the John and Paul of drug-related podcasts. You say jug-related podcasts? <laughs> Dave and Chris are the John and Paul of drug-related podcasts. Trust me, I've never even done any drugs besides <laughs> weed, and I'm obsessed with this show. I've never done heroin or wanted to, but if they ever stop making dopey episodes, I will intentionally develop a habit to cope with the loss of my favorite show. You hear that, guys? Stay strong. Toodles. Did he write toodles? He did. Ugh. Or she. Or she. That sounded like a guy. Uh, thank you so much, Dopey Nation, and thank you for listening. Uh, 101 episodes and going strong. I'm grateful for each and every one of you listeners, and um, stay up. Yes. Thank you. My father just walked in the door, so now I feel subconscious. Uh, Mr. Me- Allen, say we're literally closing out. Say, stay strong, Dopey Nation. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Okay, toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller smaller and smaller and it's high noon where I stand and I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very 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 hard to find and I want to be good so bad Desire's all I ever had.
damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had. 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 And these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had. And 